Okay, well, welcome to the uh, March podcast of the Journal of Neurology, Neurosurgery and Psychiatry. And this month, for the editor's choice, we have a manuscript uh, entitled The Clinical Rule to, the, to Reduce CT Misdiagnosis of Intracerebral Hemorrhage in Minor Stroke. And the lead author, Caroline Lovelock, joins us from Oxford. Hello, Caroline. Hello. Perhaps you could um, tell us a bit about the background to your study and why you actually undertook it in the first place. Okay. Uh, well, actually, the original inspiration from the study was an earlier paper that was published in JNNP by Wardlaw and colleagues. Uh, this was a paper that looked at consecutive patients with minor stroke presenting to their hospital in Edinburgh or their stroke and TIA clinic. And what they showed was that because of delays to presentation and scanning, about 75% of patients whose minor stroke was actually due to a primary intracerebral hemorrhage were being misdiagnosed on CT as having had an infarct because the CT was insensitive to picking up small bleeds after about a week. And obviously if these patients had not been correctly diagnosed with MRI, which was performed at the same time as the CT, then they might have ended up being inappropriately treated long-term with anticoagulation or antiplatelet agents. So Wardlaw and colleagues recommended that MRI should be carried out on all late-presenting patients. Uh, but the difficulty is that many people with minor stroke continue to present late. A substantial number come along to clinic. And in the UK, uh, even in the recent uh, national audit report, the average delay to assessment in the clinic is still around a week. So scanning all late-presenting patients in a timely fashion with MRI might not be practical in centres with limited access to MRI to pick up the small number of people who have actually had an intracerebral hemorrhage. So we wanted to find a, a way of identifying patients with minor stroke who were most likely to have had a hemorrhage so that they could be prioritised for MRI scanning. These seem like alarming delays. You, you mentioned in your, your manuscript that many patients are referred to outpatients and not scanned immediately. So wh why do you think patients don't go to, say, their local emergency department? I think that the, I mean, certainly in the UK, the situation is changing. Uh, there has been a recent public education program, the FAST rule, telling people that if they've had symptoms suggestive of a stroke that uh, they should phone the emergency services and present to hospital straight away. So the situation hopefully will improve. But I think people with minor stroke symptoms will probably continue to present late. Many of them are elderly uh, and are socially isolated perhaps. And so they tend to push off uh, seeking med medical attention straight away. Perhaps they don't want to bother their doctor because it's out of hours and uh, consequently present later. They end up being referred to clinics instead of uh, being seen in the emergency department. And perhaps you could outline some of the findings of your study and particularly what the scan rule actually um, represents. Okay, well, what we found was that four factors seem to be most useful at predicting the presence of an intracerebral hemorrhage. Uh, these were a history of vomiting at stroke onset, um, confusion at stroke onset, 
a very elevated blood pressure uh, on the first blood pressure recording taken after the stroke. So that was a systolic blood pressure of greater than or equal to 180 or a diastolic blood pressure of greater than or equal to 110 and a history of anticoagulation use at the time of stroke. And when we derived these predictive factors from a, a derivation a cohort of patients with minor stroke and then tested them out in a validation cohort as well, and they seem to be um, predictive also in the validation cohort, pooling our two data sets together, uh, it seemed that the presence of at least one of these factors predicted hemorrhage with a sensitivity of about 97% and a specificity of 74%. Uh, and if you had at least one of these predictive factors, then the chance that you had a primary intracerebral hemorrhage as a cause of your minor stroke was about 17%. And SCAN itself stands for? So the SCAN rule stands for, the S stands for severe hypertension. So that's uh, on the first blood pressure taken post-stroke. Uh, the C stands for confusion at stroke onset. A stands for anticoagulation. And N stands for nausea and vomiting. So these four factors uh, seem to be predictive of finding an intracerebral hemorrhage even in uh, the presence of minor stroke. Now that you've developed the SCAN rule, how would you like the rule to be used and, and who really are you aiming it for? Well, I think that, first of all, the rule needs to be independently validated. So we, uh, as, I, as I said, we did validate the rule ourselves, but I think that uh, we need to wait for others to validate the rule in their cohorts of patients with minor stroke as well. And ideally, it should be validated in the, in the group of patients for which it was intended. So that is people who present late with minor stroke. Uh, but I think that if, if it turns out that uh, it is validated, it is reliable, then I think it uh, can be a, a useful rule. I think it's quite easy to remember and I think it's perhaps most useful in terms of its negative predictive value. So if you, uh, as a patient, didn't have any of these predictive factors, then the chances that you have a hemorrhage as a, as a cause of your minor stroke is only about 1 in 500. Um, and I think uh, that's, that's reassuring to clinicians who may be anxious about starting patients on antiplatelet agents straight away before waiting for the scan. So if a patient with minor stroke symptoms turns up to their GP surgery, uh, you can get on with starting aspirin and uh, dipredamol straight away uh, if, uh, if that patient doesn't have any of these clinical predictors according to the scan rule. Uh, because we know that patients with minor stroke are at risk sometimes uh, in the just over the next uh, 24, 48 hours of going on to have a more severe stroke. The risk might be as high as 8% in some patients. Uh, so therefore there is, um, uh, there is some usefulness to this rule in being reassured that it's very unlikely there's an underlying bleed and that antiplatelet agents can be started straight away and then refer the patient obviously straight away to hospital for scanning. Um, the other usefulness is for those patients who do uh, continue to present late uh, to clinic 
and uh, its usefulness is in identifying who is most likely to have had an intracerebral hemorrhage that you wouldn't want to miss uh, and who therefore needs to be prioritized for scanning with MRI, particularly if access to MRI is limited, which it is in some centers. So you'd anticipate the rule more for working out treatment options for patients as opposed to, for instance, triage nurses working out waiting lists for patients? I think that, uh, well, it could be used by triage nurses as well. I think if you're triaging a list of referrals to clinic and you see a patient who uh, has had minor stroke symptoms uh, but was using anticoagulation, uh, I would certainly be anxious that a bleed had to be excluded on that patient. I'd be phoning up and making sure the patient uh, presented straight away so that they could be scanned in time. So uh, I think that uh, the, the rule is really just there to remind people that hemorrhage does occur in patients with minor stroke. I think that that can be overlooked sometimes. People tend to think that hemorrhages present with more severe and disabling stroke and forget that uh, they can also present with minor stroke symptoms as well. Uh, and so it's, it's really there to remind people that it's something that needs to be thought about and, and ruled out, particularly in people who have got any of these clinical factors. You've mentioned validation and, and predictive values and, and future studies. So I suppose are you planning on undertaking such studies in, in your own group? Uh, well, the, the OXFASC study, which is the group of patients in which the rule was derived and uh, the other clinic in which the, the rule was validated are ongoing. Uh, so data is, is continuing to be collected for those patients and it should certainly be possible to revisit the score and, uh, and look to see whether it is robust and is predicting the presence of intracerebral hemorrhage on scan. Uh, so, yes, uh, I, I hope to do that, but I think it would also be useful to have the score validated in, in other groups of, of patients as well. Uh, I think that in many other countries, sometimes access even to CT scanning is very limited, or in rural areas, uh, access to imaging can be limited. So it would be useful, actually, to, to have the rule validated in, in those sorts of centres as well, rather than uh, repeating, uh, just repeating the study again in the, the same cohorts in which it's been derived and validated already. Well, it's clearly a very important area clinically, and we look forward to hearing about the future validation of your SCAN rule. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. And thank you to all listeners for tuning into this podcast.